Hello, everyone. Hello, folks. Um, welcome to an episode of I'm Horrified that feels like it's a long time in the making, gotta it, be honest. It really does. This is episode <laughs> 64, um, and any of you who follow us on Twitter will be one step ahead of us. Oh but my Sam, god. What happened when we recorded this episode? So you guys, last night? we were we recorded this episode last night because we're diligent podcasters. Um, and then when we went to edit it, we realized that uh and this is the only explanation I have, there was a ghost in the machine. There was a ghost in the mic. Um, and we sound like tiny green aliens in yeah. the audio. So what we played for you in the intro was a piece yeah. of that. It was disturbing a disturbing episode. It's a full nightmare to listen to, and I'm frankly sorry that we put any of it in the intro. I am as well. Oh my god. Oh my god. Now we're back. We're, uh, we hope, better than ever, and we're going to bring you the content we meant to bring you yesterday. So yeah, just to be clear, we have done this entire episode already. We did. Just for the two of us. <laughs> I guess, yeah, just for shits and giggles, I guess we recorded this episode. So we're going to... Do it again. Yeah. We're not going to lie to you and pretend as if it's all fresh. It's not. We're going to have to come up with new jokes. Although I will say this, I was pretty tired last night, so maybe I don't remember a lot of what you said. Or maybe it was the best we've ever done it, and it was going to catapult <laughs> us into stardom, <laughs> and now we just not have to anymore. keep being destitute. Um, but instead of that, let's, let's find out what we're talking about this week. Allie, what are you going to talk about this week? This week... I'm going to talk about something near and dear to my New England heart, and that's Jamestown. Not Jonestown. Different. Which I bet a bunch of you were like, oh yeah, they're finally covering. Oh no, wait, it's spelled wrong. Oh no, wait, it's something different. Something else. Not doing the cults right now. Not today. We're just talking about mass death in a different way. Yeah. So hopefully you can still stay on board with it. But I, I mean, I get if you need to shut this off. I'd rather you didn't, though, because let me tell you, as someone who's heard this yesterday, it's very interesting. <laughs> did it capture you yesterday? It really did. I, I thought a lot about it later. Okay, I'll aim to do that again today. <laughs> and Sam, what are you going to talk about? Today I'm going to talk about the uh, 2010 film, The Last Airbender. I'm glad that we have to re-record this because I feel like <laughs> you're just going to be reinvigorated by all of the passion you had yesterday. I do. I have a lot of passion on this topic, you guys. You I, could talk about it till you're blue in the face. I, I could record eight more episodes on The Last Airbender. I believe you. But hopefully I don't need to in the audio on this one sounds normal. I pray to God. <laughs> um, but, but before we can get there, we have to go, we have to go back. We have to take it way back. Yes. Um, back to when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Just kidding. That's a totally different time period, I think. I'm actually not sure. I think it is. Right? It's earlier. Yeah, because that's 1492. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I didn't know that part of the rhyme. You did. That's the point of the rhyme, is to remember the year. I thought it was um, the different ship names. The Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria? I only know that because of School of Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Anywho... We're going to talk about Jamestown, which is, what I, the part, portion that I'm going to talk about spans the 1600s. Yeah. From 1607 to 1699. Um, we're going to talk about when it was settled and how it ultimately kind of fell by the wayside, popularity-wise. But first, a little groundwork. So we're from Massachusetts, which means that we learn a metric fuck ton about early American civilizations in the original colonies. Yes. Like, way more than anyone else learns, I think. So much more. We just love that shit. We cannot get enough of it. We really do. I think this is particularly because we have Plymouth, Massachusetts, which is where the Mayflower sailed to. And Plymouth, Massachusetts has Plymouth Rock, which is a rock. A rock. Um, admittedly. (laughs) In the words of Spongebob, it's a rock! It's a rock! (laughs) Um, and that's like, the first piece of land they saw, or the first... Stepped on. Rock they put a boot on. I don't know. Maybe I don't somebody know. was really tired, and they were like, oh, great, a seat. I've been standing up on this ship for a hundred years. That would have been me if I was my Mayflower ancestor. Ooh, I get to sit down. It yeah, would have been me. me sitting right down. But yeah, so that's a big deal. So every fourth grader in the greater Boston area gets on a bus every year to go see a rock 45 minutes west. It's great. And if you are lucky as fuck, they'll also take you to Plymouth Plantation. Wow, 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 wow. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> it is the best place I have ever been to. Fucking love Florence Plantation. I love it more than any human person in my life. <laughs> you can churn butter. You can look at, like, trees from a long time ago. The thing with the hoop and the stick. Yeah, the hoop stick thing. People your age in, like, colonial garb. Yes. Incredible. Amazing. So, the Plymouth settlement had a sordid history just like every other settlement did, and that obviously included the brutal mistreatment of the local Wampanoag people. And in a sense, they deserved it because no one asked them to come here. And this is where we start to see incredible similarities between... Plymouth, which is so near and dear to me, and what we're talking about today, Jamestown. We're also going to see a lot of similarities between today's topic and my former segment on the Donner Party. Uh, We're going to get cannibalistic, y'all. Very exciting. Did you miss hearing about people eating other people for survival? If if I know you guys, you did. (laughs) Miss it no more. Um, so Jamestown. The precursor to Plymouth is what no historian would call it. (laughs) It was settled in Virginia in 1607. Jamestown was the first permanent English settlement in the Americas, and it was mostly a giant shit show, and I'm here to talk about the first 90 or so years of it. Woo! Woo! Ugh. Gotta breathe. Getting excited. I'm getting too excited. We're very excited. There's no AC on in this room. Hot and bothered over Jonestown. Hot and bothered in a couple ways. Like the fevers that ravaged the body (laughs) of many of the settlers. There you go. Wow. Always bringing it back to history. Okay. So, it's 1606. (laughs) It is 1606. We're there. We're we're in it. Three ships set sail for the Americas, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. They were the Susan Constant, the Godspeed, and the Discovery. By far, the Susan Constant is my favorite. We should, me, you, and Becky should be those three ships for Halloween. I call Susan Constant. Obviously, yes. Obviously, yes. (laughs) I I pick you for Godspeed. I would also pick me for Godspeed. I know you. (laughs) All right, so on these ships was 104 men and boys who were ready to say goodbye to England literally forever and start a new life on a patch of dirt they would come to steal. So they get to America and they find a place... That's got water on three sides, so it's like a peninsula, and they can dock their boats there, and it doesn't look like there's many Native Americans around. So they're like, great. This is home. This is our town. Let's name it after our king. Our king is named James. What do they call it, Sam? Jim City. I like that better. <laughs> I would have gone with Jimmyville, or maybe Jimadome, a la Doug Dimadome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimadome. Oh, I'm familiar with Doug Dimadome, owner of the Dimsdale Dimadome. But they called it Jamestown, and that's fine. <laughs> so they settle in, they build a fort. They're very worried about attacks from Native Americans, as I said, for obvious reasons, because they just came and stole and built shit without asking anyone. Yeah. So once the fort is built, the captain, Captain Newport, says to everyone, we need more supplies, so I'm going back to England. Five's on my part of this fort. I'll be back later, maybe with wives for everyone. Woo! And they're waving him goodbye, like, bye, Captain Newport. Like, good luck getting back to England. See you later. Yeah, bring my letters home. And then as that's happening, almost immediately everyone dies. (laughs) Everyone just fucking bites it. So, I got a lot of this information from the National Park Service, and I will let them take it from there. <clears throat> gotta get my, gotta get my, like, National Park Service reading voice on. Absolutely. This is professional. I, I mean, <laughs> when are we not? Quote, not long after Captain Newport left, the settlers began to succumb to a variety of diseases. They were drinking water from the salty or slimy river. Now, I have to interject. I couldn't tell if that meant there was a salty river and a slimy river, so they were drinking from one of each, or it was sometimes salty, sometimes slimy, or it was always both salty and slimy. Mm. Either way. Gross. (laughs) Yeah, either way, don't. (laughs) So, the death tolls were high. They were dying from swellings, fluxes, I don't know what that means. Bad. Fevers, famine, and sometimes by wars. Food was running low, though then Chief Powhatan had started to send gifts of food to help the English. If not for the Powhatan Indians' help in the early years, the settlement would most likely have failed, as the English would have died from the various diseases or simply starved. By late 1609, the relationship between the Powhatan Indians and the English had soured, as the English were demanding too much food during a drought. (laughs) That winter of 1609 to 1610 is known as the Starving Time. Reminds me of the Donner Party. 
During that winter, the English were afraid to leave the fort due to a legitimate fear of being killed by the Powhatan Indians. No fucking doy because you tried to steal their food. Uh. As a result, they ate anything they could. Various animals, leather from their shoes and belts, and sometimes fellow settlers who had already died. By early 1610, most of the settlers, 80 to 90 percent, according to William Strachey, had died due to starvation and disease. 90 percent. So many. That is everyone. That's everyone. Imagine... Most squads, right? Like, think of a gr- group of close friends. That's maybe 10 people maximum. It's just you. Imagine you're if you're the only person left of your whole squad. I say no. No. I'd never make it that far, though. I wouldn't have even gotten on the boat. No, <laughs> same. I'd be like, no, I'll just live here in squalor. That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather. So, like, to recap, Daddy goes home for a minute. <laughs> Everyone starts killing over, like, houseplants you forget to water. And then they went to the Powhatans for help, and they were like... The Powhatans were like, yeah, we'll help you. We're decent people. Like, you know, if you're kind to us, we'll be kind to you. And they demand food from them. And then when they don't give them all of their food because they need it to survive the winter, the governors start sending raid parties into their homes to steal food from them. That's so fucking So you can imagine they were a little fucking pissed off. And here's a fun fact. When Captain Newport came back with supplies, he brought with him some German and Polish craftsmen. And many of them ended up defecting to the Powhatan tribes. By that I mean they were like, this fucking sucks. Like, I don't want to hang out here anymore. I'm going to go live with the people who actually know how to live here. And they, by all accounts, were like, welcome to the tribe. And they were like, yeah, you can live here. Like, if you're going to be chill, unlike all of the other people living in the fort and stealing all of our shit. You're cool, Hans, unlike everyone else here. (laughs) So, the handful of bros who survived the starving time were there when a shipwreck brought settlers who had crashed in Bermuda. So, their ship crashed in Bermuda, and they were like, ah, Jamestown, and then somebody was like, I don't think this is Jamestown. They built boats from their broken boats and sailed up to Virginia. Down to Virginia? No, up. Up, I think, from Bermuda. (laughs) I feel like people listening at home were like, up, obviously, you idiots. (laughs) Um... So one of those settlers who survived was John Rolfe. Who's heard of him? Let me see those hands. Sam you've heard has. Sam, you'd heard of him. John Rolfe was the man who had brought the tobacco seed with him and introduced the crop en masse to the settlement, creating the first cash crop for the Virginia Company. That's not the famous thing about John Rolfe. It is. We're going to get to it. <laughs> you know we get to it. Um, in 1619, to keep up with the demands of the crop farming, we see the arrival unfortunately, of the first enslaved peoples from Africa. And it is at this point um, that we start to introduce modern slavery. At this point, it is modern slavery in the Americas, that is. At this point, it's mostly a system of indentured servitude. Um, Oh, I I meant to say not in the Americas. In South America, this was already happening, but Mm -hmm. in like the United States, as we understand them, this is the beginning of slavery and indentured servitude. It it isn't the same type of enslavement as we would see in the Atlantic slave trade. Mm-hmm. It's different than that, but it's all horrific. It's just, it's a different, it's before the idea of people of different races being subhuman. Obviously that colored this yeah. to a sense, but there were some people being brought over from England who were indentured servants as well. Yeah. And people would eventually be able to earn freedom. And then that changed when people decided to say, oh, in fact, people of color are not human beings. Yeah. And that was mainly because people wanted to have an excuse to just keep enslaved people. So that is a very unfortunate part of this history. So, all right, where were we? It is at this point um, that... In that very same year, about 90 women are recruited from England to sail to Jamestown as baby machines. (laughs) They were pretty clear about, like, you're gonna be baby machines. They weren't like, oh, start a new life. They're like, we need wives for the men who live here. We want to populate Jamestown. Yeah, and so there were some women there already who had come over on some of the supply runs. I think maybe there was a woman or two, like a wife of some of the original people who had come who came after them, but this was the first push to be like, we need to start getting future Jamestownians born. Jimtonians? Yeah, that's it. That sounds right. 
I think that's the one. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, how do you respond to that newspaper ad? Like, do you want to bone down in the Americas? <laughs> um, all right. So at this point, people are still dying constantly from fevers and sepsis and all that stuff. Just fun stuff. But they're growing and expanding nonetheless. And naturally encroaching on the land that Powhatan people already live in, live on. So there were a number of battles and skirmishes between the English and the indigenous people, but one of the most significant was in 1613, when the daughter of Chief Powhatan, Pocahontas, was kidnapped. Everybody knows who that is, but you probably don't know. Actually, a lot of you probably do know. Mm -hmm. Articles have been written about her. Like, you know, she was 11 when she met John Smith, and they yeah. didn't really hook up. Pocahontas and, like, isn't accurate? Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about Pocahontas for a minute. She was around 11 when the colonists arrived, and John Smith wrote about how she had attempted to sacrifice herself to save him when he was about to be put to death around that time. That's the narrative that the Disney movie draws from. They just age her up. Mm -hmm. That is not necessarily true. John Smith wrote that that happened, but he could be a liar. Like, yeah. there's no, there's nothing to back that up. And he, she, that was also at a time when she was being brought to England and paraded about as the civilized savage, mm. which is disgusting. Yeah. But he could have been writing that to sort of tie himself to her name yeah. and her intrigue. So we don't know if that happened. I don't think he did. But who knows? Yeah. It is, however, true that Pocahontas befriended the settlers and brought them provisions on a regular basis and seemed to desire peace between the two groups. Which makes it all the more fucked up that they captured her during a battle when she was 16. That's really fucked up. <laughs> so during her capture, she learned or was forcibly taught English. And then at the age of 17, she married none other than John Rolfe, the tobacco guy I mentioned earlier. Not John Smith, John Rolfe. Yes. And if you're familiar with Pocahontas 2, Journey to a New World. Oh, yeah. Um, these events are dramatized? Um, they, it's not accurate. <laughs> it's, it's a lie. Yeah, it's not true. I was trying to find a word and then I was like, but lying is what it yeah. is for the most part. So, this marriage. We'll never know how enthusiastic she was about this pairing, but as a kidnapped woman who was forcibly brainwashed into learning English, becoming a Christian, and calling herself Rebecca... This is an abuse anyway you slice it. Yeah. Like, how, it's, it's not okay by any, not just by today's standards, it's a horrible thing that happened to her that she was taken away from her people. Yeah. Um, it must be said for a historic perspective that this pairing led to a relative peace among both groups for a while. So, both groups were enthusiastic about mm -hmm. the pairing, both the Powhatan and the English settlers. Um, I'm sure that they were not enthusiastic about her kidnapping, but they were, feeling positive about the match yeah. and that led to peace for a while mm -hmm. i think like four years and then they start fighting again um <sighs> because the english were like give us all your stuff and they're like no, no like, we're not gonna no. tell you again so eventually things wear off with the constant encroachment and abuse of the generosity the powhatan people are showing with their resources enough was enough in 1622 the Powhatans, in a true stroke of fuck you genius, pretended to come to the settlement with no weapons, carrying, like, food and fruit and art and things they could sell to the English. And then when they got inside, they grabbed every blunt object they could find and killed as many people as possible. <laughs> I fucking love that story. And it I know it's a amazing. massacre. But I That's love it. That's the technical term for it. I love it. I just love that it's like, the tr like you said yesterday when we recorded this, you're like, it's the Trojan horse, but better. Because they're like, what do you mean hiding weapons? <laughs> no, we'll find them. Anything can be a weapon if you're yeah. creative enough. These two hands. <laughs> I can use some fucking Englishmen. weapons. Um... And that's what you get when you steal shit for a hundred years. Like, I don't feel bad for them. Yeah. So back and forth, this kept happening for many years. Um, and then the most substantial event in this timeline after this is, broadly speaking, in 1676. And that is Bacon's Rebellion. Mm -hmm. Which just seems like something that was meant to always be a history vocabulary term and yeah. never actually happened. Like, I know I learned about it and I know I did, like, a DBQ on mm -hmm. it. But I don't, I didn't remember anything about it. No, until I me neither. This. 
So Nathaniel Bacon was a true piece of shit. And when things weren't going so well for the crops and supply levels in Jamestown, he Andrew Jackson that shit and convinced much of the population that everything was the fault of the Native Americans. He found a thousand men to lead in a rebellion against them without any kind of government support. Now, the government wasn't supportive or an ally to the Powhatan people, but they did make very clear distinctions between which tribes they worked with and wanted to keep peaceful relationships with and which ones they had an aggressive relationship with. Yeah. Or who they abused and killed, Mm -hmm. basically. Bacon did not care about this, and he slaughtered everyone he could find. And so that got Bacon in deep water, and he it would have ended with his execution if he didn't die of what first, Sam? Dysentery! Drumroll, dysentery! It's always dysentery. It's gotta be pooping yourself to death. It's gotta be that. (laughs) That's how I want to go. No, you don't. No, I don't. Take that out of the universe. You don't want that. (laughs) Uh, Don't put that hurt on me. (laughs) So after this rebellion, a more lasting peace treaty was formed that obviously continued to abuse the rights and freedoms of the nearby Native Americans. The English agreed to create more reservation land, even though everything was theirs to begin with, remember? Um, And in exchange, they were owed a mandatory supply of fish and game every year. Which is, like, who made those rules? The so English, obviously. Dumb. It's like, oh, okay, I guess we'll let you keep living here, the place you were already living, but you have to give us, like, a third of all your crops. So that's what we're going to do. And this unfair distribution of resources in a more formalized way laid the groundwork to disenfranchise Native Americans in the United States and beyond for hundreds of years. So, this about brings us up to when all the political people in Jamestown decide to up and move to Williamsburg, which is getting trendy, and forget Jamestown forever. So, they're all seeing, like, buildings in Williamsburg, maybe, like, paved roads, and they're like, what are we still doing here? So, they all go to Williamsburg, most people follow, Jamestown becomes farmland for a few hundred years, And now it is a historic site, not unlike my beloved Plymouth Plantation. And this has been another chapter in the endless book of how white people ruin everything they touch. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. We all learned something that we already knew today. (laughs) Um, So that, Sam, for a second time to you, is Jamestown. I do really love that, like, the end of Jamestown is just everyone going, like, you know, it sucked here the whole time. Nobody ever had fun here, did no they? One, no one's enjoyed living in Jamestown, and now there's a trendier place. Marcy, did you have fun? No, I didn't have fun. No. I no. didn't have fun here. Jake, did you have fun? No, I've hated it the whole time. Let's go, you guys. That's like when we're at, like, a bar, and we're trying to be, like, outside people, and then, like, eventually, like, a bunch of us make eye contact, and it's like, do you just want to go home? Yeah, do we all just, like, maybe want to watch <laughs> Vine compilations in each other's living rooms? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would rather do that. Williamsburg was their Vine compilation. Yeah. We encourage you all to live in your truth in that way. Yeah. We're queens of leaving bars at like 8.45 because we want to go home. I, at my wildest partying, I preferred to be my drunkest at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. So then I could just sober up the rest of the night and I'm in bed by 11.30 and I'm not drunk the next day. Yeah. That was always my ideal night out. If there's any youngins out there listening, you're thinking about maybe starting to drink for the first time. You listen to Ani, Sam, and Auntie Allie. Uh, that's the way you want to play it. That's the way you want to do it. You want to start early. Yes. Drink lots of water. Drink. L- you should do, like, hard alcohol beverage, water. Hard yeah. alcohol beverage, water. Leave like, yourself a Tylenol by your bed. Mm-hmm. We're looking out for you. And leave leave all parties at 1130. I gotta be honest with you. Nothing good's happening I've never that. been to a party where I was like, thank God I stayed till the end. I've never thought that about party it only gets bad it's always somebody being like no we should stay and then it's 2 a.m and i'm like we shouldn't have stayed and i knew that yeah and i was too afraid to speak out (laughs) speak out you guys speak up america speak up (laughs) and go home who can name the quote the movie from that i just quoted i can't you can't no speak up america speak (laughs) up Speak up for the home of the brave and the something of the free gift with purchase. Don't tell me what it is. Twitter, I want you to tell me what that quote is from. I don't know what it's you from. You don't know what it's from. Somebody will tell me. It sounds familiar. Um, 
Okay. Most people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But like four people are going to get I'll be it. like, oh my God. Tweet me. <laughs> All right. Sam, we know that I've already heard this, but I'm just dying for you to tell me again. Every scrap and morsel of information you have about the Avatar The Last Airbender movie. All right. Well, thank God, because here we go. Here we go. Y'all, I love Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, for those of you who don't know what that is, fuck but it is a cartoon series that aired on nickelodeon from 2005 to 2008 and it basically uh again like i can't believe i have to explain this in the world of avatar the last airbender there's four nations and each of the nations can bend one of the elements you shouldn't have to explain this so there's like a water nation and they bend the water etc etc four elements water fire earth air so um, there's one guy, he's the Avatar, he can bend all four elements, and he's gotta learn how to do it, and that's the show. So fun, simple concept. I rewatched it last year, and it holds up. It's excellent. It's still very good. I have it on DVD. But unfortunately, this is not an episode of I'm Thrilled, so I am not here today to talk to you about Avatar The Last Airbender. God, I wish I was. No. Maybe someday. Today I'm here to talk to you about the 2010 film adaptation of that cartoon called simply The Last Airbender, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. That's the first place they went wrong was changing the name. Amen. But the Avatar movie had just come out with the blue people, so they couldn't, oh, yeah. they couldn't, they couldn't name it that. I wish they could. Um, it is, I'm going to make a bold statement and say I think it's the worst adaptation of source material ever of anything. If you can think of a worse one, please let me know. I'd be curious to hear. I can't think of one. It's awful. It's so awful. Uh, so today, inspired by Jenny Nicholson, a YouTuber that Allie and I really enjoy, I'm going to present you with a numbered list of reasons why the last Airbender movie just fucking blows. I love a numbered list. Don't we all? Thanks, Jenny. So, <laughs> I love her. Guys, watch Jenny Nicholson on YouTube. I'm obsessed with her. Let's talk about the plot. When adapting this... M. Night Shyamalan, who in addition to being the director, is also the writer and producer of this movie. Great start. Admittedly, he did not have an easy road. TV and movies are very, very different because TV, you can take a lot more time and be a lot more episodic in nature than obviously a movie could be. And the entirety of the Avatar cartoon is like 30 hours of content. So Shyamalan's plan is to do three movies and each movie is a season of the TV show. That still means condensing tons of content into, like, maybe a two-hour movie. But he's like, I can do it. I'll just have to cut some stuff. What does he cut? Um, all the fun stuff, basically. Everything that brought me joy. Everything that was good about it. All the character-building moments. All the silly asides. All the weirdos who show up in the interesting world. Like, he just gets rid of them. And to try to replace all this character building and, like, world building, he just does, like, the most boring narration in the world that the main girl character, Katara, does. And it's just, like, I consider myself a feminist, but I wanted to tell a woman to shut up, right? And it was- Shut your whore mouth right <laughs> it now. It was Katara in the last Airbender movie. Yeah, like she just blew. Like, I don't know what to say. So, and, like, all of her narration is sounds like this. Soka and I hunted because our father was away in the war. We found a young boy in an iceberg. I tried to get him out, but Soka said no. I want to punch you in the teeth right now. And it happens constantly throughout the movie. And things that, like, we see in the movie, she then narrates. It fucking sucks. The narration just kills me. Um, Let's talk about something else they did a shitty job of adapting, and it's when they get to the Northern Water Tribe. So the Northern Water Tribe ends up being three episodes in the original TV series. It's the last three episodes of the first season. My favorite part of the whole series. Yeah, it's very good. And here's a couple things that happen while they're in the Northern Water Tribe. Um, Katara, our heroine, uh, has been trying to learn waterbending because she was the only waterbender in the Southern Water Tribe. So she's been hyped to get to the Northern Water Tribe to learn how to waterbend. But she gets there and she finds out the Northern Water Tribe is sexist and they don't teach women how to waterbend. 
So then she's trying to prove to the waterbending instructor, Paku, that she is good enough and, like, they shouldn't be sexist. And she finds out that her grandmother, who she's very close to, was originally from the Northern Water Tribe and was engaged to Paku. And Paku is such a dick because Katara's grandmother broke his heart all those years ago. And she impresses him with her waterbending abilities and he agrees to train her. It's amazing. It's she, an amazing art. She ends sexism. That's what Katara does <laughs> in season one of Avatar The Last Airbender. She, no, she doesn't end it. She drowns it. She does. She does with her waterbending. In the movie, none of that happens. Uh, they just, you know, train her. They don't care. I don't even know no. if they name Paku. I don't even know if they say the word Paku. This is your trainer. <laughs> His name doesn't matter. I think that's what happens. we failed at our jobs. Here's something else that happens. Um... Sokka is, like, the comic relief character in the cartoon, but he's trying to be taken more seriously as a military commander because he's, like, the head of his tribe while his father is away in the war. And he meets the princess of the Northern Water Tribe, Yue, who's, like, super gorgeous. She has this white hair because she's kind of magical. And so he ends up really, like, impressing her, and she falls in love with him. They fall in love because he's so funny and kind. They have this really, really enticing chemistry. Yeah. And I remember getting, like, oh, whenever they were together on screen. And then meanwhile, she's in, like, an arranged betrothal to this guy, Han, and he's, like, in the military in the Northern Water Tribe. I'm sorry, you mispronounced Kokoam? (laughs) Pocahontas, it's all coming back. Kokoam, who they think existed, I found in my reading. Kokoam I didn't have time. Existed? I didn't have time. I didn't have time to read it. Ugh. Um, anyways, we'll get back to that. <laughs> so, and like, so then Sokka and Han are conflicting both on their opinions of what they should do about the Fire Nation coming and because Yue has fallen in love with Sokka, but she's engaged to Han. So there's so many layers, right, to this whole relationship. In the movie, Katara, over um, the dumb fucking narration, she goes, my brother and the princess became friends right away. And that's it. That's all you ever hear. You just know, you're supposed to know they're in love. Sokka's not funny in the movie at all. I I watched most of the movie, kill me, and I was like, I'd like to find the funniest joke in this movie. I don't think there's a joke in this movie. Yeah, not even, like, a joke that fell flat, but, like, they don't choose to make anything funny. They just don't make any jokes. They just don't even try. It's crazy. So that's all bullshit. Let's talk about the casting. (laughs) Um, This movie invented a term we still use today. Uh, The term is race bending. And race bending is when, in in adaptating... I know how to speak English. (laughs) In adapting a source material into a movie, when they change the race of the characters from people of color to just white, that is what race bending is. What a great thing to be known for as a film. What a great thing. that terrible word. To be remembered by. So, obviously the source here is like a cartoon that takes place in a magical world. So you could say to me like, Sam, it's a cartoon in a magical world. Like, there's no race here. We're all just people. To which I would say, like, come on. <laughs> just, <laughs> just come on. Come on. Obviously, the cartoon is inspired by different Asian cultures. The animation style itself is based heavily on Japanese anime. And then the nations pulled from, like, it's definitely a mishmash, but it pulled from pretty specific, like, different cultures. Like, the water tribes are based on Inuit people. The Fire Nation is based on Imperial China and Japan. The airbenders are based on, like, Buddhist and Shaolin monks. Like I said, like, it's not, like, a perfect analog. They definitely pulled from a Mm. lot of sources. But, like, it is very clear (laughs) that they were heavily drawing on, like, an Asian cultures and Asian history as an inspiration for these cartoons. Yeah, and they made no secret of that. No, absolutely not. But in the movie, everyone is white. (laughs) Everyone's white. That's not true. That's not fair. The Fire Nation, uh, the bad guys, are all people of color. Isn't that better? That fixes it. Specifically, um, Dev Patel, who plays Prince Zuko. Who does his best. Who does a pretty good job. Um, but he is Indian, and many of the other actors playing members of the Fire Nation are either Indian or Middle Eastern, or notably in the case of Fire Lord Ozai, he is of Maori descent. Oh. Which is fun. 
It's it's less fun because he's the only villain. Yeah. And also the only person of color. That's not like a coincidence. It's no. like I'm just going to have everyone bad also be a person of color. You can't make that like bugaboo. I know, right? It just doesn't fly anymore. So now M Night Shyamalan is a person of color himself. He is Indian, and he has gone on the record that the way he cast the movie in it, like this is how he defends it. He found like the best actor for the main parts. So like Zuko from the Fire Nation, Katara from the Water Tribe, and Aang from the Air Nomads. He found his favorite actor for those three people, and then he cast the rest of the nation around the ethnicity of that actor. So he's like, once I found my favorite Katara and she was white, the rest of the Water Nation was white. Once I found my favorite Zuko and he was Indian, the rest of the Fire Nation was Indian. Like, that's kind of his reasoning behind it. Um, and then with the kid who played Aang, he had this weird comment. Um, the kid's name is Noah Ringer, and he said, uh, M. Night Shyamalan said, quote, to me, he felt mixed race with an Asian quality to him. So is he <laughs> of Asian descent? No. No, um, okay. Noah Ringer is not Asian. What is an Asian quality? Also, Noah <laughs> Ringer is not Asian. Um, in later interviews, um, they said he, Noah Ringer had Native American heritage, but, like, again, like, my when I was saying, like, they cast a white Katara, so the rest of the Water Nation had to be white. It's not like they cast Noah Ringer and then said, and the rest of the Air Nomads are also Native American. Like, that also feels like really grasping at straws. Yeah. Like, Scarlett Johansson being like, my <laughs> 17th grandma on my dad's side was friends with somebody who's Japanese. Like, you can't, you just can't do that. Yeah. So it's like, I don't, I, I certainly don't know, like, Noah Ringer's genetic heritage. Yeah, and that's not to, like, yeah. say that people of mixed race aren't valid in this conversation. Of course not. But yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he was just a white person. Yeah. It seems to me that that's not something they were thinking about in the way that they did. Katara's white, so the whole Water Nation has to be white. Yeah. And Zuko's Indian, so the whole Fire Nation has to be Indian. And also my assumption is that all of these conversations started happening after they were getting shit for it. Yeah, exactly. So probably none of these conversations happened. Probably that's not something that they actually talked about. Exactly. You know? So, but I don't know. So it's like, that's shitty. And it's hard because it's, I mean, it's not hard. It's shitty, period. The the other thing my Chamalan says is that, like, in his brain, A, Zuko is supposed to get a redemption arc in, like, the the back half of the series. So in his brain, maybe M. Night Shyamalan was like, Zuko, I'm not casting a villain when I cast Zuko. I'm casting, like, an anti-hero who's going to go on this great journey. But, like, we never get to see that because they only made one movie. And they're also the major antagonistic force. Yeah. The Fire Nation in general are the bad guys. Yeah. Even though with with Zuko himself, we get more nuance later. Yeah, and Ozai is purely bad. Oh, yeah. Right? One of the biggest bads in the world. Mm. <laughs> I would argue. Of any world. Of any world. So, um, yeah, that's just bad. When you're making a movie and you're taking advantage of outdated cultural shorthand that, like, white is good and brown is bad, that's bad. Don't do that. Even if you're like, but in my second and third movies, I'm going to challenge that. Like, no, just don't do that. Well, we all know you're not going to get those. <laughs> yeah. So. Joke's on you, M. Knight. Let's talk about the acting. Um, Let's. I think every actor in this movie received the note, can you deliver this line more boring? <laughs> Everyone is so flat and dull. And I think that what was probably happening is that they were trying to react against the cartoon. Because the cartoon's a cartoon, right? So it's really heightened. Like, the performances in that are, like, out of the world, crazy, wild. But it's like, there's a middle ground that's still fun and looks like there's some joy in your world. In anyone's life. It's so miserable. Um, one of the most miserables are the kid playing Aang himself, Noah Ringer. Um, they cast him because he was very good at martial arts. And then they were like, and then we can teach him to act. But in my brain, not how you, do that. you should do the opposite. You should cast a kid who's really fun and good at acting. I'm no expert, but... And you can teach him how to throw a punch, you know? Or just get a stunt double. Yeah. There's, like, it just feels like there's more there. But it's just such a bummer, because Aang is, like, so bright and excited, and that's a big part of his character in the cartoons. And in this, he's, like, so melancholy and solemn all the time. And also, the, one of the great joys of the series was this horrible burden was placed on the most exuberant, joyful, innocent, young, happy 
individual. Yeah. And watching him try to be himself with that burden is this beautiful journey that we get to go on with him. Yeah. So they just just said fuck you to that, I guess. Yeah, they were just like, fuck off. <laughs> so Not interested. Not, no, no fun. Let's talk about the bending. You might be wondering, how could you possibly take all the joy out of controlling the elements with your magical powers? Uh, well, M. Night Shyamalan figured out how to, somehow. Ugh. Because the bending is, like, somehow the worst part of the movies. I think it's because... How can that be true? So it's like, I should show you a clip later, because I know you don't. I know you saw this, but you don't quite remember this movie. I don't remember the bending being this bad, as you're about to describe. Yeah, so it's like, there's one scene where they're, like, there there are earthbenders, and they're about to earthbend, and it's six earthbenders, and they do about 20 seconds of movements. Right? So they're like, their feet are going, their hands are going, and they're all together. There's a pause, and then a single rock that's probably, like, maybe as big as, like, my head. Right? So, like, big, but not huge. One rock slowly flies across the screen and, like, hits a guy. And he even, like, has time to move out of the way. <laughs> yeah, like, it's fucking crazy. Um, I read something somewhere that they were having budget issues and that what might have happened was that, like, they just didn't have the budget to animate all the moves they were intending. So instead, they just let the actors keep all the movements, and then they would just do, like, a single drop of waterfalls. No. But it's a full nightmare to watch. And it ta- it sucks the air out of every fight scene, um, which should be, like, the most exciting and dynamic part of an action-adventure movie. Uh, it's not. They're the most boring parts whenever they do magic. How, how did they do that? How did they do that? And I love the bending in the series. Like, I'd rather be able to bend shit than have, like, Harry Potter magic, I, I know, think. No, bending it's is so, so lit. cool. It is. What, um, what would you want to bend if you could bend anything? Oh, good question. I think... I think Earth mostly because I'm an Earth sign. Interesting. I feel very tethered to Earth as a Taurus. There you go. Um, either that or water. I would want to do air, I think. Really? Yeah. Because then I could do the little balls that you sit on and then you like scooter around. Just be scooting all day. That makes sense. <laughs> I would not be want be, to be able to like pick fish up and look at them. There you go. Do you know if but I keep was- keep them alive. If I was in the movie, do you know what I'd want to be? Just like a fucking plebe. Because yeah. Because there's no joy in bending. It's equally boring to uh, just be a, a servant person. fucking person. All right, now I'm just going to run through some petty shit. Here we go. Petty shit. They say all the names wrong. This is adapted from a TV show where they say the names the way that the creators intended for you to say the names. So there should be no problem saying the names. But instead of Aang, they all say Ong. Instead of Sokka, they all say Soka. That's the stupidest one. And even Avatar, a lot of them say like, avatar like they all have like weird slightly british accents it's infuriating it's to just because they're trying to be fancy but it's stupid and it's like it's the most like every time it's not like i'm ever into this movie but every time someone's like soka i'm like what like it just brings you out <laughs> Oops. who could that be um zuko's scar is too small a big part <laughs> a big part of zuko's character is that he his he's trying to get his honor back because his father did you know it's a long story but his father was yelling at him for something and didn't think he has any honor so his father gave him this huge scar on the side of his face with fire it's a it's a burn um so that like everyone knows that Zuko has lost his honor because he's got this ginormous scar on his face that's the whole point of his character that's the point of Zuko that's why he's pursuing Ong Ong the Avatar the Avatar because. He's, he's trying to get his honor back. He's trying to get back. his honor back. So, like, this fucking Dev Patel scar in this, if his hair was one inch longer, you would not see it. Like, it's just so subtle. That is unacceptable. It's upsetting how small his scar is. This reminds me of um, Lindsay Ellis, who's another YouTuber who we love dearly. Yeah. She does a breakdown of the Phantom of the Opera movie from, I think, 2010, which, I, no, earlier than that. I think it was earlier. Um. But the one with Gerard Butler. Yeah. Which I fucking love and hate. <laughs> yes. And we share that, I think. We watched it together a lot. Um, And she's like, he, like, the Phantom is hot. <laughs> That's unacceptable. Like, he can't be hot. That ruins the entire crux of the plot. Yes. Like, you can't have that. That's also the way I feel about Zuko's scar. Yes. Agreed. Um, all right. Uh, I ship Zutara. What? 
I, me too. Who said that? <gasps> you too? As I've gotten older, yes. When I did my rewatch, originally I was like, Aang's the good guy. But as I did my rewatch, I was like, okay. I was hot for it. <laughs> All right. I also realized in a dark moment that I think I ship, um... Are you about to say Dramani? <laughs> no, I grew out of that. <laughs> um, it's worse. Ray and Kylo Ren. Oh no, I'm already there. Are you there? Welcome to the club. Welcome to the club, baby. <laughs> Welcome to Club Raylo, baby. Oh no. Yeah, I I'm feel, there. I feel dirty. I'm, con- I'm convinced they're gonna make out in this next movie. I'm. I want it. I want it. I viscerally want well, it. Well, because we've talked in depth before. We might have talked on the podcast. I've never been sure about Adam Driver and how I find him to be one of the handsomest men in the world 65% of the time. <laughs> and then the other percent of the time, I'm like, you're not handsome at all. And it so depends on, like, the lighting. In a trick of the light. <laughs> it's so I'm like, weird. ew, like, no, I'm not interested. And then I'm like, oh. Uh, like, when the pictures came out, he was in this Broadway play called Burn This. And there are these beautiful pictures of him and Carrie Russell. And they're, like, shirtless and, like, laying on each other. And I was like, I'm I want and bothered hot. right now. But then, like, in some angles in The Last Jedi, I'm like, who is this spooky boy? <laughs> like, it's so weird. Who's this 12-year-old scene kid? And then you're like, take me, Kylo. It's very confusing. I don't know how to talk about this. Like, I have so much to say and I don't know how to say it. Maybe we'll talk about this. Let's talk about this <laughs> later. It's just our this? complicated feelings about shipping heroines of things with villains and things. Oh, it's true true is there a word for that we'll find it um the dramini paradox the dramini paradox <laughs> we'll talk about it next week let's do that i agree okay okay some good more, good some more quick petty shit ang's tattoos are stupid again they're too <laughs> subtle um they have a, a nation of people the earthbenders they bend the earth in the TV show, when they imprison Earthbenders, it's on a metal ship in the middle of the ocean to take them away from the Earth. No in, Earth. The, in the movie, they're just on the ground. They're just in a ground jail. Uh, and then Aang has to be like, you're Earthbenders. And they're like, oh yeah. And they're like, I guess so. Um, it's fucking stupid. They show the Fire Lord too early. In the cartoon, you do not see the Fire Lord's face until the beginning of season three. Before that, he is a silhouette surrounded by fire. You gotta wait for Ozai. And he is voiced by Mark Hamill, ironically enough. We were just talking about Star Wars. Really? Yeah, he's voiced by Mark Hamill. Really? A legendary man, absolutely. Mark Hamill can do no wrong. So Now true. that I've said that, I'm sure he's done wrong. But in the in the movie, like, literally, they're just like, oh, hello, Fire Lord. And he's like, hey. And, like, that's his character introduction. And I know if they had asked Mark Hamill to just be Ozai in person, he'd probably be like, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll just do that. Um, and there's no King Boomy. In the cartoons, there's this 112-year-old ancient crazy fucking guy who's the king of the Earthbenders and was Aang's childhood friend. Uh, and he's just uh, uh, an absolute meth head. But <laughs> he's a delight. But they, they don't put him in the movie. And if you have a character like that at your fingertips, why wouldn't you A, cast Christopher Lloyd as him and B, put him oh, in your movie? Oh, that would be so good. Why wouldn't you do that? You want everyone else to be white. <laughs> if anyone was going to be white, it should have been Boomy, because he should have been fucking Doc Brown. You're so right. You're so right. It's hurting me. Yeah. Oh Anyways, that's the fucking last airbender. Don't make me talk about this again. <laughs> we see that the audio didn't work again, and you're like, I can't revisit these scars. I have to just talk about the Dramini paradox, because I cannot talk about the last I airbender. I need to get closure from somewhere. Ever again. Uh, there you go. Oh, you guys. I hope you liked it. Don't watch the movie. Watch the cartoon. Do not watch the movie. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. All right. We need a palate cleanser. Don't you think? Absolutely. So um, we told you guys last week that we are starting a new segment. New segment. Right now I'm just going to call it listener mail. I need a, I need a more fun I'm horrified segment title, but yeah. I can't think of one. So if you guys think of one, please tell us. Yeah, I don't um, know either. But today I want to read you the listener story that made us decide we're going to do a listener story listener segment. S- listener story segment. Literally this. Um, It's the best thing I've ever read via email. I fucking love it. Um, And maybe just period. Yeah. <laughs> like better than read, most novels yeah, I've read. Yeah, we've read books. <laughs> um, but this is from our listener, Sam. Great name, Sam. Great name, Sam. And, uh, I just want to say thank you right off the bat. The subject title is The Worst Dick Pick. (laughs) And this could go a lot of ways, but I guarantee it's not going the way you're expecting. Nope, you're not expecting it. So, I'm going to read it to you. Please do. So Sam says, 
I love your pod. So many things horrify me, but none so much as this latest encounter I had with hookup culture. I'm a multiracial woman in grad school, so I don't have the time or energy for dating. I'm really just looking for hookups. In this case, the D. We hear you, Sam. Absolutely, Sam. So I'm talking to this guy I met online. It's going great, chit-chatting, all good. We get to the point where we're swapping pics and hot damn, the biggest dick I've ever seen. Like, crazy big. (laughs) And then she writes, too big, question mark? I don't know, but I wanted to find out. Oh my god, Sam. And then she writes... Except the very next picture, the only thing in the whole world that could turn me off this giant penis, can you guess? I couldn't. That's right, a big old swastika. No! I'd been sexting a Nazi. (laughs) And then she just writes, help, I regret everything. And I'll admit, I considered it for a hot second, (laughs) it was that big. But I decided Nazi is a good place to draw the line. I don't know why this guy was into my black ass, hopefully because he no longer subscribes to those beliefs. (laughs) But either way, I'm out. Anyway, I'm horrified and deleting my profile. Thanks. Love the pod. Sam. Thank you, Sam. Oh my god. Sam. I just can't, I wish I could have seen her face. I just love When she saw that picture and just been like, wait, (laughs) what? What is that? I love, though, that Sam still believes in people enough to be like, maybe he has turned over a new leaf. Yeah, maybe the reason... He's not a Nazi anymore. That he's sexting me is because... That's such a like, indication of Sam's character. Of, yeah, like, Sam's a wonderful person. You know, person. people change. So, uh, Sam, thank you so much thank for you sending for that. that in. And we're sorry. And we're so sorry this happened to you. We hope you find love. Um, and the biggest dick, a bigger dick than that. Even bigger than any Nazi's dick could be. Exactly. That's what we wish for you and all of the good little girls and boys <laughs> out there listening to our podcast. Um, and if you were inspired by that story, please send us your I'm Horrified tale to I'm Horrified podcast at gmail.com. Woo! Um, as always, please follow us on Twitter at I'm Horrified Pod. We tweet us. a lot of good stuff. Oh, we do. We tweeted um, some of the, some more of the horrifying audio that we played for you at the beginning. So tune into that. Uh-huh. Um, as always, like, subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. And until next week, we hope you stay horrified. Stay horrified. Thank you.